game is never over till the end. Deshaun Lowe's right side. Whenever that clock strikes zero. Caught DeAndre Hopkins. Touchdown, Houston. It's Texans All Access. Texans All Access presented by Daikin, keeping Houstonians comfortable with the latest cooling and heating products designed to save energy and improve indoor air quality inside your home. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer and learn more at DaikinLovesHouston.com. D-A-I-K-I-N LovesHouston.com. Daikin. Here's the show. What is going on, everybody? Happy Friday to you. Hopefully your weekend is getting off to a great start as you tune in to Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. So glad to be with you. What a weekend we have for you, not only in the city of Houston, but just football in general. This is such a huge weekend. Football playoffs in the state of Texas, actually all over the country right now. Some some teams and some high schools in some states have already played their state championship games and they're done. But the bigger states, Florida, Texas, they got their championships coming up. I think, I think Texas still has three weeks, this and two others. But you got that going on. You got championship weekend going on in college football. You got Baylor and OU tomorrow morning up in Arlington. You've got the you got the Pac-12 championship, which is huge tonight. Utah against Oregon, so that's kicking off in, I don't know, about an hour or so, I believe. I, don't know, I could be wrong on that, but either way, you got that going on. And then, of course, Sunday, you've got a full slate of NFL games, including your Houston Texans taking on the Denver Broncos as they come into town with a 4-8 and eight record, which I don't think is indicative of where Denver has been this year. I know Bill Parcells said, well, you are what your record says you are. Broncos lost three games by two points, and all all three of those games were, I don't say fluky endings, but games the Broncos not only could have won, but should have won. Now, the flip side of that is when they've played a couple of really good teams, the Chiefs at home, they got beat 30-6, they played the Bills on the road, they lost 20-3. So, and the Broncos are kind of all over the place, but they'll be starting a rookie quarterback, Drew Locke, for the second time, got a win last week, kind of a weird ending to that Chargers game where they got an interference call. And an opportunity to kick a field at the end, Brandon McManus. This one he made. Well, last year against us, he missed. That gave us a win. His kick being made the other day gave the Broncos a win. So, 4-8 coming in here against 8-4 Houston Texans. So, we have got plenty to talk about on the show tonight. We have got a great interview with Drew Doherty coming up in the next segment. You're going to want to hear. This weekend is my cause, my cleats. And each of the players have got... A, a charity or a cause close to their heart, and they're going to be wearing it on their cleats. And one of those guys is DeAndre Carter, and his is JDRF. Well, so happens that DeAndre Carter has type 1 diabetes, just like a good friend of ours, Drew Doherty. So those two sat down and had a great interview. We'll have that for you in a little bit. We also are going to give you our first community credit union, first glance, keys to the game. How do you beat the Broncos? So we've got that for you. Mark Vandermeer is going to stop by. Now, on a Friday, I typically have a segment where Mark and I talk about the game, and then the next segment, I talk about my predictions. But we're kind of jam-packed tonight, so I figured, you know what? Let's do both. I bring Mark into my world, in some sense, to do our predictions straight up against the spread, so we'll have that. Then, our Deep Slant inter- one-on-one interview of the week is with John Weeks, DP City, who sat down with the longest-tenured member of this organization, at least in the locker room, John Weeks. 
So we'll have that for you. And then we flip it over to the players in our final segment. I call it our players segment. So we're going to do go a little bit further with DeAndre Carter with our Drew's Dirty Dozen. We've also got the final word this week with Drew Doherty as well. And we got a little bit more B-Scar TV for you. So we turn that last segment over to the players to get them the microphone and let them have a chance to chop it up. So plenty for you on the show. Now, we kick off every Friday show with Hot Reads, and they're brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on motorcycle and or car insurance. And this week, as every week, we start the head coach of your Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien, who sat down with Mark Vandermeer earlier today. Coach, let's start with special teams here because Deontay Spencer is a good return guy, and I know kickoffs in returns are down in the league, but they've had some production. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll tell you, Spencer, I think, is one of the top two or three guys that we faced as a returner. He does both, returns punts and kicks, kickoffs. Uh, very fast, very quick, not very big, but uh, built built very well. So hard to tackle, and we've got to do a great job. We've got to do a great job punting. We don't really want to punt, but mm-hmm. sometimes you have to punt, and so uh, we have to do a great job with that, and then we have to do a great job directing our kicks uh, with Kaimi. So it's a, it's a big challenge for us. What's been the big key in your recent success last couple of years in keeping the returns to a minimum? Yeah, I think I think it's all about uh, the combination of players and coaching. You know, I think that the um, – that the, uh, you know, Brad Seeley and Tracy Smith do a great job of giving these guys a, a very simple way to approach things, and then we have good players. You know, we've got a lot of players that uh, uh, can can run and can tackle and are, are, are very physical players uh, at different positions, you know, whether it's linebacker, running back, wide receiver, safety, guys that can really run and, and tackle, and I think that uh, that's that's really the big deal. I know you want to run the ball better, but you're also top two in the league in big plays, however you categorize that. So how do you balance the two? Yeah, no, we need to run the ball better. I mean, I think that uh, last week I would say it was more on me than it was on the the players. I think I've got to do a better job of – getting these runs called in different situations, uh, different schematic runs. But I, but I know that we have to run the ball better. Our guys are going to really uh, try to do that. we got to be balanced, and uh, if we feel like we can take a shot down the field, we'll try to do that. I don't think Denver really l- allows you to take many shots down the field. I think Vic does a good job of not uh, you know scheming things up where the ball is going to be thrown over their head. So uh, it's going to be a challenge. Well, when you do take a shot, is that a scheme thing or a feel thing? How do you define that? Uh, a little bit of both. I mean, I think uh, you know any good shot is always about the timing of the call. You know, anytime you you're, you feel like in your mind as a play caller, you're trying to force that, it's usually not going to work. So mm-hmm. if you feel like you're in the rhythm of a drive and you, you know your quarterback feels pretty hot, you can just have that instinctive feeling about how your quarterback's playing and who's in the game and uh, you know at receiver, and then who's in the game for the defense. You know, that's that. that those are all the factors. How far back did you go for your Drew Locke? prep for this game <laughs> yeah no we you know we studied him a lot uh, we study all the quarterbacks in the draft you know very smart very accurate uh you know a guy that does a lot of good things he's athletic you know these guys come into the league you know we face Minshew, we face kyle allen now we're facing drew and uh it's a challenge i mean you don't have a lot of information to go on uh, i think the big thing for us is we've got to be disciplined we've got to stop the run i think philip Lindsay's the key to that offense he does a mm-hmm. great job running the football so it'll start with that and then we'll do the best we can against drew all right, you're 17-1 and one when you don't turn the ball over. So Thanks, you, always, you always tell us that, <laughs> that that's the most important no, thing, really. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that uh, when you look at, uh, you know, we talked about this when we played the Patriots, and, and I think with us, any, when you don't turn the ball over, you've got a real chance to, to win the game. Even if mm-hmm. you're, you, you know, maybe offensively you're not playing great or defensively if you're taking the ball away and then offensively and in your return game, you take care of the football, you've got a real chance to win games. 
Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck. Thank you, Manny. Some good stuff from Coach O'Brien right there. You can tell he is in game mode already. All right, let's get to our next hot read. And it is the status report. Well, it's injury report slash, slash status report when we get to Friday for a Sunday game. This is the one you care about. A lot of people will put up injury reports and all that kind of stuff. You know, every team has to do it throughout the week. But this is the one that you want to know because you find out who's in, who's questionable, who's doubtful. And over the years, obviously, you pay attention. Okay, is this guy in? Is that guy in? And a lot of times they get labeled with the questionable tag. And that's kind of the way it is for the Texans this week. Now, yesterday I got a little worried because I saw Jordan Akins pop up as a limited participant in practice dealing with a knee. He was a full participant today, and he's in. So, okay, good news there. Now, out for the Texans, Taiwan Jones. He's been dealing with a hamstring. He injured that during the Patriots game on one of the special teams' plays. So he is out for this one. He's the only Texan ruled out. On the limited participation side, five guys, some very important ones here, Garyon Conley, Will Fuller, Bradley Roby, Brennan Scarlett, Carlos Watkins, they are all limited. Now, they have been limited in practice, limited all week, and they are all questionable. So, fingers crossed that everybody will be ready to go, but they are all listed as questionable. Out, Taiwan Jones, questionable. Conley with a hip, Fuller with that hammy, Bradley Roby dealing with a hamstring and a toe, Brent Scarlett with that shoulder, Carlos Watkins who hurt his hamstring earlier, uh, I'm sorry, in that uh, Patriots game. Patriots game, Colts game, the Colts game. So he he was out of the Patriots game dealing with that, but trying to get back for this week, uh, which would be kind of nice because Carlos is really, I think, taking some steps ahead and steps forward in his game. So Jones out, Conley Fuller, Roby, Scarlett Watkins, questionable. Jordan Aikens, a full participant today at practice, dealing with that knee. That was good to see, so he is in. Now, for the Broncos, a key, a couple of key notes. Number one, Bradley Chubb. It's been a while, but since we're playing Broncos, it's good to bring this back up. Bradley Chubb, who I think is going to be one of the better pass rushers in the league in due time, tore his ACL week three, I think it was, at home against the Bears. He has been out. He's been in IR. He is out. Also on IR, and this just happened last week, Derek Wolf had seven sacks on the year. I believe that was the lead for the Broncos. He is out of this game because he was placed on IR earlier this week. So two of Denver's top five overall players out of this game. Ronald Leary, guard, starting right guard, will be out dealing with a concussion. He was a DNP all week, did not clear the concussion protocol, so he is out. The other big name in that mix that people want to know, he was out last week, is Von Miller. He was a limited uh, limited participant in practice all week long. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. He is listed as questionable. Now, this quote came from Von earlier today. When asked if he will play Sunday in Houston, he said, and I quote, if I can't get my exotic movements back, that in my opinion, I shouldn't be out there. I'm doing whatever I can to get out there, 
I usually heal like Wolverine. So, Von Miller, questionable for this game against your Texans. Also questionable for this game against the Texans is Juwan James, right tackle. Now, he's been out for a few weeks. Miller just missed last week. James has been out for a few weeks. Eli Wilkinson had been the guy at right tackle. But it appeared that Juwan James was targeting this game to get back for it. Not for any particular reason, but just to get back for this game. He was a full participant in practice throughout the week. He is still listed as questionable. But he did practice all week long. Also limited was Malik Reed, outside linebacker, a guy that had to step in for Vaughn Miller last week and play on the outside. He was a DNP earlier in the week, but then was a limited participant as the week wore on. Limited today, he is questionable. So, out for the Broncos. Starting right guard, Ron Leary, questionable for the Broncos. Starting right tackle, Juwan James, Malik Reed, and of course, one of the greatest pass rushers of all time, Vaughn Miller. Now, if Wolf and Chubb and Miller are all out, then the Texans offensively had better be able to do what it is they want to do every single down. Those are three of the better defensive players I've seen over the years I've been down on the sidelines. And watching that defense last year with all three of them, they, I don't want to say they wrecked the game. They had the potential to wreck the game. Each one of them, I believe, had a sack. All three of them. Wolf may have had a bunch. Wolf had two sacks last week before he went out. Uh, I believe it was an elbow injury, and he was placed on IR this week. That's going to leave the interior of the Broncos' defense thin. If Von Miller doesn't play, if Malik Reed doesn't play, it leaves the exterior, the edges, thin for the Broncos on defense against the Texans' offense. So we'll see. As I mentioned, Von Miller, I my gut tells me that Von is going to want to play in this one to get back out on the field. He had not missed a game before last week, heading back all the way to uh, 2013 when he had torn his ACL that year. That was his second, no, third year in the league. It was his third year, had a great rookie year, good second year, and then 2013 he tore his ACL, came back from that two years later, was a Super Bowl MVP, and has played at that particular level. He's a monster to block. He should go to the Hall of Fame. I think he's one of the better pass rushers we've ever seen. And I remember seeing him at college thinking, whoo, boy, good luck if you got to block this guy. And he has played at that particular level all in his entire, all the way through his career. But he had not missed a game dating all the way back to 2013. So he had played 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and almost 10 games of 19, 11 games of 19, before he had to sit out last week's game against the Chargers. So, Von Miller, questionable heading into this one. And I would imagine there are probably some Aggies thinking, hey, I'm going to go to this game because on one side I got Colin Gillespie, Aggie hero. On the other side I got Von Miller, Aggie hero. I mean, this is a Texas A&M love fest that happened with those two guys uh, on the sideline for each particular team. So there you go. Taiwan Jones, out for your Texans. Conley Fuller, Roby Scarlett Watkins, questionable. For the Broncos, Leary is out. Von, Malik Reed, and Juwan James, questionable for the Broncos. That is your status slash injury report. And those are your hot reads brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car and or motorcycle insurance. Coming up next, we got one of, I think, 
the better interviews that you're going to hear on Texans All Access in any year. DeAndre Carter is going to step by and talk about his cause, his cleats. That'll happen on Sunday. We've got that for you next on Texans All Access. One of my favorite groups in this entire world are all my teachers out there. So I am calling all of my Houston area teachers. You want to bring a little Texans football to your classroom and sign up for Toro's Math Drills presented by Conoco Phillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. Welcome back to Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And I use that nugget about teachers. Now, I, I read that, I think, every Wednesday and Friday, maybe Monday too, about Toro's Matros presented by Phillips. I, I read that because I love teachers. I always have. I grew up the son of two teachers with my mom teaching math, my dad teaching history. My dad was a coach. He coached football, basketball, baseball, track. He coached all the sports. You know, he did all that. Our next guest is actually a teacher as well, DeAndre Carter. In between stints in the NFL, he stepped into the classroom as a substitute teacher back in his home state of California in Sacramento. So he's been in the classroom, and I, I think he would be a really, really good teacher, to be honest with you. I, w- I would love to see how he – I just watch how he is on the field, and obviously we see him play, but just his way. I think he would be really good – no matter what grade kids he would end up teaching. Now, the other thing that people, in fact, I was shocked when I heard this, but DeAndre Carter is also, he deals with type 1 diabetes. He's been insulin-dependent diabetic since his freshman year of high school. And he, on Sunday, will be wearing blue and cherry red cleats with a white JDFR, JDRF logo on them. It's an organization that he is been uh, with, he obviously is fighting for, to help them find a cure for type 1 diabetes. So he's not alone. On Sunday, the Texans are going to wear their custom cleats for their fourth annual My Cause, My Cleats campaign. After the game, players will have an opportunity to raise funds for their causes by auctioning off those cleats at NFL auction, where 100% of the funds raised will be donated to their selected charities. And obviously, JDRF hits really close to home for Drew Doherty, and he sat down with DeAndre Carter who will wear those cleats proudly as a type 1 diabetic. Drew? Well, this is a fun chance to talk about an excellent cause. The Texans have my cause, my cleats this week, and that's something we're all familiar with. All these players get to design a cleat that they get to wear, and it's for a charity or for a cause that they're behind. And right now we got DeAndre Carter, yes, sir. punt returner, receiver. You could do it all. I mean, you could probably play some other things, too, if you needed to. If they asked me to, I could do it. You yeah. could do it. I know. I know. But... You've got an excellent cause. Tell us about what your cleats look like and why you chose them. Yeah, they came out nice. Juvenile diabetes is my cause. You know, I was diagnosed when I was younger, 14 years old. Blue, blue and red. Mm-hmm. You know, great design. They came out great. Love them. But the blue is obviously for, you know, juvenile diabetes and everything. So, uh, yeah, man, excited to put those pictures out there, go out there and represent that cause so we can bring some awareness to it. Yeah, a lot of people in, in the country, a lot of people worldwide have diabetes. Most of those people have type 2 diabetes, mm-hmm. and folks like you, and actually folks like me too, yeah. we are type 1 diabetics, exactly. which means we need insulin to, to help control things. Right. So it's a little bit, little bit smaller, well, a, a lot smaller segment of the, the diabetes population, mm-hmm. and not many NFL players have, this, have this, exactly. uh, this disease. I mean, I know there have been a couple that have come through the Texans, 
Jay Cutler is the most famous NFL player. That's I think, the one that, that comes to mind. I know Patrick, mind, yeah. Pe- Patrick Peterson has it as well. Patrick Peterson. See, I did yeah. not know that. Mm-hmm. But there's not many that have this. What's it like playing NFL football with diabetes? Once you get, you know, I've had it, you know, for a while, so I got a pretty good control over it. But uh, it's just an added responsibility that you got to make sure you stay on top of. Right. Checking your blood sugar throughout the game, halftime, in between quarters, and things like that, making sure blood sugar is not too high not too low yeah. during the game and things like that or practice it's not a a big burden just some extra that you got to make sure you stay on top of and that's kind of one of the, the keys here it's mm. it was once a a terrible thing it's, it's a bad illness but it was yeah. once just debilitating for a lot of people but you're an example of somebody that's thriving with it. exactly it's definitely you know just making sure people know that you can still do whatever it is that your your goals, your dreams, your aspirations are. Even if you have this diagnosis, as you can see, I'm still able to go out and do my job at a high level. But it's not, it's not like you said, it's not something that's debilitating that you can't do anything. Very once you get control over it, get a good manage on it, then it's pretty easy to go out and do live life as a regular person. No doubt. Now you're in your mid twenties. You got diagnosed though right before your freshman year of high school. What mm-hmm. what happened? What, what was the change? Right. Or so, changes? Yeah. So I'm um, right before, like I said, before my freshman year, we're actually in like football summer workouts and things like that but I started losing a lot of weight really fast I got down to what 76 pounds I think it was from probably one I was 150 then a little lighter wow. but, uh, but I lost a lot of pain a lot of weight going to the bathroom you know urinating a lot so I, I was sleeping a lot like way more than normal all throughout yeah. the day sleeping I was probably sleep maybe 18 hours out of the day and this uh, is in a span of about like a month or two month or two yeah yeah, that, yeah and it was all going crazy one day football practice I couldn't make it through practice so my coach sent me home told my dad I wasn't feeling well and everything like that and I went home started throwing up crazy everything uh so my dad took me to the hospital and then they ran the test and everything and they told me I had type 1 diabetes and it was yeah. type 2 runs in my family right so I was familiar with it, but the insulin part of it was new to me, which, you know, I'm insulin dependent. So mm-hmm. took a little bit of a time to get adjusted to it and everything. But uh, once I got used to it, it wasn't too bad. So what's that mean? You're insulin dependent, but does that mean are you giving yourself shots? You know, are you on an insulin pump? There, there are different ways to do it. So what's that mean for you on a daily basis yeah, as yeah. far as the insulin? Yeah, so there's there's different ways to do it now. They got pumps. Now. I li- I'm kind of old school. I like to use the syringe and the mm-hmm. you know the, the needle and everything because I feel like I got a little bit more of my own control over it. Right. But I have uh, Dexcom. It's like a continuous glucose monitor, which tells me my blood sugar all throughout the day and everything. So if uh, you're too high, too high, you got to give yourself got to give myself some insulin. Too when low. You're low Orange juice, Gatorade, candy, anything to get it up. Sometimes you know, it's kind quick. of sometimes it's kind of nice when you get low. Oh yeah, you get, low, you get a little treat there. <laughs> you get a little treat because yeah. you got you to be good <laughs> yeah. the rest of the time. But, the rest yeah. of the time, you know, trying to keep your carb intake sugar down, but uh, you can get get those lows, get a little a little snack. And in some ways, it's probably helpful that you work for the Texans and, and work for an NFL team because of the medical staff that's on hand to you know, support you, help right, you out, and right. all that other yeah, stuff. Yeah, the right? guys here, training room, real great, staying on top of it, anything that I need. My prescriptions, my medicine, if yeah. I'm low during practice or high during practice or whatever, they're always right on top of it. So great, great staff here. Do you interact or come in contact with folks that have type 1 diabetes? I mean, it's typically kids get diagnosed, but you're seeing older people now get diagnosed with it too. You're active in the community. I mean, we always see you doing stuff. 
Tuesdays yeah. and going to hospitals or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm, I imagine you run into diabetics from time to time. Yeah, from right? time to time. And then it's 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 fun, you know, to share. Not, I wouldn't say fun. It's it's definitely a, not a good thing to have. But right. Uh, but to share those stories, you know, those you know, being guys or people overcoming it and still being su- successful and productive in society. And when I run into the kids, just letting them, because you know, when you're young, you kind of. You kind of feel like an outcast, you yeah. know. Kind of not a lot of not a. I mean, kids have it, but it's not common. It's not common, right? You know, and more than likely, you'll be one of few kids in your school to have it. Uh, so kids kind of feel like an outcast sometimes, but you know, just kind of giving them the confidence to know that they'll be okay. They'll be able to do everything they need to do uh, that they want to do through life, uh, and not to be shy about it. That's awesome, DeAndre Carter. We're really excited to see you in those cleats on sure. Sunday against the Broncos. I'm calling my shot. You're going to take one back. You're going to the house, okay? Okay, I like that call. Let's make it happen. All right, DeAndre Carter, thanks so much for the time, and we'll talk to you in a bit. Thank you. Appreciate you. When I saw DeAndre's cleats outside the locker room where they were showing the players their cleats, and I saw JDRF, my first thought was Drew. I thought about Drew because Drew's done so much for JDRF over the years, and I thought about Drew, and I didn't, I couldn't find Drew. And so then I walked back in studio, and as I walked back in studio, Drew was with DeAndre Carter. So – I didn't know they were going to be doing that interview, but I thought it was really cool. And what I was going to ask Drew is, did you know? Did you have any idea that DeAndre dealt with diabetes? He's like, no. He asked, Drew did, of Andre Johnson, said he didn't know. No, there were Tim Kelly didn't know. They didn't know that DeAndre Carter suffered from type 1 diabetes. And it, it just blew my mind when I heard that. But he found out he had it in high school. They got it under control. And DeAndre was able to have a tremendous college, high school, college career find his way to the to the Texans. He's done a really nice job for the Texans. No questions asked, but I know that's got to mean a lot to these guys and a lot to DeAndre Carter to be able to put those cleats on his feet on Sunday and know that there are so many people pulling for you. In, in large part, they may not know who you are, but they're like, hey, wait a second. I deal with type 1 diabetes. I, I love that guy now. I love that. I love DeAndre Carter because I know he's dealing with the same thing I do. And I, I saw somebody tweet to Drew earlier today, and it was it was a – a father whose daughter deals with type 1 diabetes and read the tweet and basically it was DeAndre Carter's now her favorite football player for that particular reason. So it's pretty cool. And that's what my cause, my cleats, is is meant to do, is to show the the charitable nature of these players. If people don't see it any other time, they definitely will see it on Sunday, and I think that's a great thing. Now, we're going to have more with DeAndre Carter later. Drew kind of turns the page and goes to Drew's Dirty Dozen. So you have that to look forward to later in the show, and it is with DeAndre Carter. But next, I'm going to break down the keys to a victory over the Denver Broncos on Sunday. What do the Texans need to do to get that W? Let's do that next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to our Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter for your Houston Texans. Of course, I am glad to be with you this evening, what a weekend it is going to be. You have the Pac-12 championship kicking off shortly. You've got a whole weekend of high school playoff games in Texas, right here in Houston. You've got uh, championship weekend on Saturday in college football, including the big game tonight, Pac-12 Utah v. Oregon. And then you've got a full slate of NFL games, including... Your 8-4 Houston Texans taking on the 4-8 and eight Denver Broncos, but do not let that 4-8 and eight fool you. The Broncos had three games this year. They lost by two points. 
They lost to the Bears on the last field goal of the game after scoring a two-point conversion to make it 14-13. Lost that one. Should have won that one. They lost by two to Jacksonville. Late field goal, I believe, by Josh Lamb. Josh Lambeau. That was another loss. And they lost by two, and I'm trying to remember the other loss of two points was to the, oh gosh, the Indianapolis Colts. Von Miller has got Jacoby Brissett sacked in the end zone and lets him get away. They also had a game where they had a big lead against the Vikings and lost it. This team very easily could be 7-5, uh, and five, at worst case 6-6. Six and six. They weren't able to come through and finish those games and those wins. Now, they also got beat by a good football team in Kansas City, 30-6. to They got beat by Buffalo, 20-3. to So they've gotten beat. They've been beat by good football teams by decent margins, and let's hope that happens on Sunday against your Texans. Now, this segment is always reserved for our First Committee Credit Union, First Glance, Keys to the game, FCCU, the official credit union of your Houston Texans. So, this is where we dive deep into this thing. We start talking about the game in front of us, the team in front of us. I try as best I possibly can to vary these keys. For example, earlier this year when we were facing the Indianapolis Colts, I believe, and also the Ravens, it was tackling was a major key. And I, I like to go a little bit deeper than that, but it was such an important aspect of those games that they had to be involved. Now, tackling, I should just put it up on a shelf. You know, blocking, tackling, not making mistakes. Those should all just go up on a shelf as if they're always keys. I try to do a little bit more specific to the team the Texans are going to face. So let's get into it. Let's talk about the Texans defense to start. Key number one, and I wrote this and I'll explain what I mean. Sutton stops suddenly. A little alliteration there about Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton is the second-year wide receiver out of SMU. 6'3", 6'4", about 216. Big, fast, physical. How he ended up falling to the Broncos in the second round of the draft is beyond me. And there's no reason it should have happened. And I remember watching him and going, that dude's a first-rounder. And he didn't go in the first round. And sometimes when you see that happen, you're like, uh, you know, you overshot on that guy. And now I'm watching him, and I'm like, no, no, no. I was absolutely right on that guy. He is a major problem. Now, he doesn't have a ton of help, especially in the receiver realm. As receivers, they've got four, they've got four pass catchers with 25 catches or more. The next receiver after Sutton only has 13. They've played 12 games. That's like one catch a game for a, a receiver not named Cortland Sutton. So slowing him down and doing it immediately is a major key. He is physical. He can catch screens and run after the catch. He can catch slants and beat you with speed. He can catch the 50-50 ball. He can beat you with deep balls down the field. He is a complete receiver. Of, re of receivers with 40 or more catches in the league, he is third in that group with 16.8 yards per catch. He is Cortland Sutton's go-to guy. When Locke got in trouble, eh, that's the right word, but when he faced gotta-have-it situations on third down, down in the red zone, he always looked to 14 side. He was going to go to Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton was going to see the football. Now, last week, when I talked about Edelman, I said take him out of the game. 
do not let him have an impact on the game. And really, up until that 30-yard catch, I guess, where it was more than 30, he had like a first and 30 catch, and he got a first down, it was like a 40-something yard catch. He really hadn't done a whole lot. The Texans had done a really good job of doubling him with a number of different guys and taking him out of the game. Edelman's on the inside. I think sometimes it's it's more difficult to double a guy on the inside. Sometimes on the outside, you got a better opportunity. But you've got to do whatever possible to take Sutton out of this game. Well, I mean, not hurt him, of course, but take him out of this game. Double him, bring the safety over the top, be physical with him. Now, what you like about the Texans' secondary is that you have different guys. You have Conley, longer, uh, rangier, stronger corner than maybe Vernon. And Vernon's more of an inside guy. You know, he's a little bit taller and stronger than J. Joe, but J. Joe has the experience. You can play zone, you can play man. Whatever you do, 14 is the focus. That's Cortland Sutton's number. Take away Drew Locke's binky with a combination of personnel and coverages against Cortland Sutton. Number two. This was a big key last year because the offense had really in Denver turned into Case Keenum making some plays but not a whole lot, but turning and handing the ball to number 30, the rookie undrafted guy out of Colorado, who was smaller than anybody on the field, and that was Philip Lindsay. But do not mistake Lindsay's lack of size for lack of heart, hunger, will, and speed. He's got all of those, and he uses all of those, and he runs with his Big, huge head of hair on fire. He runs downhill. He doesn't mince words. He just goes. He's the energizer bunny. And last year, the Texans did a really nice job of slowing him down. And I think that forced the game back to Case Keenum's hands. And he made some plays, but not enough. This year, it's Drew Locke. But you've got to be able to answer Lindsey with your physical play and you're tackling, obviously. So you cannot underestimate a guy that when you see him, you're like, that guy, really? He's tiny. Yeah, he's tiny. But he will run your ass over if you're not ready for it. Number three, attack the edges in the passing game. Garrett Bowles at one tackle, Juwan James or Eli Wilkinson as the other tackle. Those guys, especially Bowles, Bowles has had a ton of, of penalties this year, a ton of holding penalties. That's been a problem for him. He's probably a guy they need to move to guard if they're going to keep him. He's had a little bit more success lately. The Chargers didn't just destroy them like I kind of thought they would. In fact, Locke didn't even get sacked. So the line has been better, but I still think with this pass rush, there's an opportunity to attack those tackles with Jake Martin's speed, with Whitney Merciless' toolbox and see what they're able to do to get pressure on the rookie, Drew Locke. Number four, and this one is specifically about a Texan, but it kind of goes to show against this Broncos group who has to dominate, and that's DJ Reader. Reader has been phenomenal all year, but to answer the Phil Lindsay question, to get pressure on Drew Locke at his feet in addition to what's coming from the edges, DJ Reader is that guy. He has played... At such a high level this year, it's i mean, it's almost unfathomable for, to, to think that guy was a fifth-round pick. He's been unbelievable. But he's got to continue to dominate from guard to guard. And he lines up all over the place. So whether it's Conor McGovern at center or Ronald Leary at one guard, they've got, he's got to be able to take over. He's got to win one-on-one, and he's got to be able to win two-on-one, really. If he can do that, and then obviously get some help from his dudes inside. The guys inside have played very well. The Brandon Dunn played a heck of a game against the Patriots. His ability to split double team, fantastic. But to me, Reader is stirring that drink inside. He's that guy. Number five, 
Rookie tight end for the Broncos is named Noah Fant. He was drafted number 20 or 21 in this draft, this last draft. He is an athlete. He runs like 4-4-1. He's faster than almost, I think he's faster than every receiver on the Broncos team. And he's faster probably than any other pass catcher on the field, not named Will Fuller and Kenny Stills. He can fly. Now, he hasn't caught the ball consistently well this season, but he is a problem for a secondary or linebackers. So the Texans have got to be completely 1,000% solid in their coverage of number 87, Noah Fant, and how they're going to cover him. If it's a linebacker, they better have safeties ready to help. If it's a safety, physical at the line of scrimmage. He's a big, strong guy, and he can run. But if you jam him a little bit and throw off the timing, that might be enough to get locked off of looking at Fant and looking at somewhere else. They tried to throw corner fade to Fant last week. Drew Tranquil, who played safety for Notre Dame, but is now playing linebacker for the Chargers, stayed right in the hip pocket and forced Locke to have to throw a little bit further. Fant couldn't make the catch. That's the kind of coverage it's got to be. It's got to be somebody. If it's a linebacker, it's got to be Zach. Can't be anybody else. If it's a safety, it can be a number of different guys. But Noah Fant can be a problem. He hasn't caught it extremely well, but when he does catch it, it's a problem because of that speed. So you've got to be able to have a plan for Noah Fant and how you're going to cover him. And then when he does get the ball, you got to attack him like a running back. you got to bring everybody to the party to slow him down. All right, flip it over to the offensive side of the ball and start with number one, Block Vaughn Miller. Now, he has been banged up, and he didn't play last week against the Chargers. And his quote was, I have essentially an insane, crazy skill set and if I can't really reach in that toolbox and use it, then I can't go out there. So he didn't against the Chargers, but my guess is he's going to get back on the field. There is no Derek Wolf. There is no Bradley Chubb. Von Miller is the only guy to be able to wreck this game. Do not allow it to happen. Even if that means giving Laramie a little help, and he probably doesn't line up on Laramie all that much. I would imagine Vaughn wants to line up at that left outside linebacker slash left defensive end spot, go against the Texans right tackles, whether it's Rod Johnson or Chris Clark, and he wants to be able to go at them. That is going to be a problem. So they've got to be able to take his game wrecking away. Last year, Vaughn had one sack. I thought Chubb was a bigger problem last year. But in that game, you had Chubb, you had Vaughn, you had Watt, you had Clowney. In this game, you'll have one of the four. But in that game, Chubb had a sack, Clowney, Watt each had a sack, and Vaughn had one sack, but it only happened when the starting right tackle, Kendall Lamb, went out of the game. He went out of the game for a play with injury, went back in, and on the play that he went out, that's when Vaughn got his sack. Hopefully, a right tackle stays in the game this week, and he gets no sacks. Number two. Number 34 is safety Will Parks. He's a guy that I look at, and he's not the best safety for the Broncos. They've got two good ones, Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons. So Will Parks comes into the game. When he does, he'll play a pseudo-linebacker safety sort of role. One of the things they'd like to do with him is bring him on the blitz. When 34 is on the field, A, know he's out there. B, anticipate that he's blitzing. And he'll blitz from that nickel position. Remember Bradley Roby's blitz last week? He was playing that nickel position and blitz. Typically, Bradley plays on the outside. He jumped in there to cover James White, jumping into that role. He blitzed. When 34 is on the field, anticipate him coming. He had a sack last week. The Chargers never accounted for him. 
and he will run that blitz. Ed Donatel, defensive coordinator, and Vic Fangio will bring Will Parks. Know where he is and make sure he's accounted for in the protection. Number three, this one goes to Deshaun. And this one isn't so much about what he hasn't done, but continuing on with what he has done. Recognize coverage early. Deliver the rock quickly. Deshaun Watson did that last week against the New England Patriots, and I think it was a major component to moving the football against that Patriots defense. And they did it all night long. He saw what they were in. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. He got the football out of his hands. He didn't take sacks. He got he had two sacks in which um, one, one sack was like him trying to scramble. It was really only two true sacks. And those both came from blitzers. They adjusted for it. He saw it. He recognized it. They didn't make that mistake in the second half, and they were sackless in the second half. But Deshaun getting the ball out, it's a good defense on the other side for the Broncos. Not the best in the league, but a good defense. Top 12 in total defense. Fifth in passing defense, just based yardage-wise. So recognize the coverage early, deliver the rock quickly, and move this offense. Number four. Continue to push the offense down the field with calculated deep shots to any of the three wide receivers. And whoever, maybe the four, Coach talked about on Friday about Kiki QT potentially uh, being in this lineup, and hopefully he's going to be. Maybe DeAndre Carter if Kiki's not active. But push the ball down the field. They did it to Will. It's a touchdown. They didn't give it to him. Did it to Kenny. Touchdown. Gave it to him. Push the ball down the field. Keep doing it. I know Deshaun loves it. Everybody loves the deep ball. We all love it. And they've got the personnel to be able to do it. Keep doing it. And number five, last and certainly not least, I don't want the Texans to just win inside on the offensive line. I want them to dominate from guard to guard. From Max, Nick, Zach, Sharping, Martin, Fulton. I want those three guys to push Broncos off the ball. Get them off the ball. I know people will look back at the Patriots game and go, well, they didn't run the ball well. They must have not. They got push. They got some good push. There were times where they made nice blocks up front, especially guard to guard, but didn't make it happen for whatever reason. Just running game couldn't get going. But I want this group to take their game to an even different level. Make sure the running backs see exactly what you've done in occupying and knocking guys off the ball so they make the cut right behind you and we get back to running this football. One of the things that worried me in not running the ball exceedingly well against the Patriots was last year. Last year, over the last five games, it started in that Colts loss here in Week 14. They ran for 88, 89 yards in that game, which was well below what the Texans had been running. They lost the game 24-21. The next week they went to New York, couldn't run it again. Now, Lamar got hurt in that game and they couldn't run it at all. Went to Philly the next week, couldn't even, they did worse in Philly than they had done in New York. The last game of the year, they played Jacksonville, and we ran the ball well, numbers-wise, but a lot of it had to do with Deshaun. And they got in the playoff game, couldn't run it at all. Now, fell behind and had to throw the ball a lot, so that was part of it. But this is about the time of the year where the run game tailed off. It cannot, and it really starts with the guys up front in particular, that guard-center-guard combination working together, moving guys off the ball. There's no Derek Wolf this week. Shelby Harris is a pretty good player, and they've got some good interior guys. But they've got to get push off the ball, bump off the linebackers, occupy them, and let this running game really get going and take some of the pressure off Deshaun in the passing game. 
That's obviously one of the ways to do it. So there you go. Those are your first community credit union, first glance. Keys to a win over the Denver Broncos. When we get back, I'm putting two segments together. Typically, I do predictions, and I talk to Mark Vandermeer. I'm going to talk to Mark Vandermeer and do predictions at the same time. Next on Texans All Access. We got one hour in the books, one hour left to go here on a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, and I am joined now by the voice of your Houston Texans, the voice formerly of the Central Michigan Chippewas, Mark mm. Vandermeer. How are you doing, Mark? Johnny, fire up chips. They got the Mid-American Conference Championship tomorrow. How about Rock that? Rock and roll. Here How about we go. that? Yeah. yeah, in fact, you sent out a video uh, <laughs> via text, which I would love to put out uh, amongst the peeps. I would love for this to get out there because you're doing this interview and you're at Central Michigan. I don't want to give away your age, but you looked like you were about 12. And I was 12. I was Vanderkid looks older than you. This was 25 years ago. It was <laughs> a long time it was, ago. It was awesome. And, and my questions are very, so do you think that you will be able to run the football well on Saturday? <laughs> I mean, I am so scripted. I mean, the guy could have said, I have the cure for cancer. And my next follow-up would have been, what about next week's game? Because I was going to ask that question come hell or high water, which is a very rookie interview thing to do, uh, interviewer I mean, thing to do, where you just – Go to your question, and you're not really listening to the answer mm. of whoever's uh, talking. But that, those looked okay. I mean, it was Central Michigan University back in the 90s, so it was all right. Uh, you, the last you did time fine. You did actually, fine. It's actually not the last time they won the MAC, but that was a year they won the Mid-American Conference right. Championship 25 years ago, and there was no championship game. But it worked out that the last game was between the two teams to vie for the title, Central Michigan and Bowling Green. Mm. And all I'll say about that game is the punter – decided to fake a punt, oh, and he no. ran 70 yards <gasps> for a touchdown, and he was not fleet of foot. Some It was in slow motion. Oh, no way. He's at the 50. He's at the 40. It was kind of like Tom Brady scrambling for 14 yards the other night. Slow motion Brady. You could have counted the yardage when Brady was scrambling. But the thing is, yes. is as I'm standing down on the field as Brady's scrambling, I can see it. We're in man coverage. I'm like, he's going to be able to run for a while or about 10 yards. Yeah. And that's all he needed was I think he needed seven yeah. or eight. He got he got yeah. ten. I mean, if that was just and then Deshaun slid right Watson, into somebody. If that was Lamar Jackson or Deshaun oh. Watson, they're in the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> By the time he's sliding, they're thirty, forty yards downfield. Yeah. Now each each every Friday, I do a segment that I predict all the games straight up and against the spread, and I usually do a segment with you. But this week, because I've got such a jam packed show with DeAndre Carter, Jams. with Drew, and our deep slant interview of the week, I kind of needed to put two segments together, and I thought, all right, let's do it. Let's, let's do put it. these two segments together where you and I are together, and we pick every game straight up and against the spread. Now, okay. you don't want to say against the spread. I understand that. I do it, and I always say this. Mm-hmm. only do it to talk about the games. It's just a kind of fun way right. to see how the public perception looks at these games. It's for entertainment purposes only. So I try to run through all of them, but we'll, we'll hit the ones that are at least matter because Dolphins, Jets, yeah, we can fly through those later on. Okay, Panthers, Falcons. This is one of those to start off with. Panthers, Falcons in Atlanta. The Panthers no longer have Ron Rivera as head coach. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's the line, by the Falcons way? are favored by three. Yeah. All right. Falcons win this thing outright. No. Panthers are done. I think, yeah, they, I think it's going to be tough. I don't think that they weren't playing for Rivera the way the Cowboys appear to be, and I can't speak for them, not playing for Garrett. 
because, come on, the Cowboys got a ton of talent here. But I think that the Panthers have other issues. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're still working with a Kyle Allen that the league's catching up to a little bit. Mm-hmm. McCaffrey, are things catching up to him? I mean, everybody knows. Yep. I wonder if McCaffrey's going to get the ball on this one. <laughs> right. Yes, odds are he will <laughs> yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Mark, I don't know that I can remember seeing this that I'm about to tell you. Ron Rivera was let go on Tuesday. Tuesday. On Wednesday, he did an interview in the building mm. after the day after yeah, he yeah. was like, I don't think I've ever seen that I before. Know. You know what it reminds me of? It's very different because he's had a lot more success. Mm-hmm. But Dom Capers, yeah. when he was let go here in 2005, really probably 2006 early yeah, because yeah, past New Year's Day, but he did his radio show that night. I mean, we did the radio oh show gosh. with Dom Capers that evening. Rich Lord and I hosted it, and Dom was in the building doing the show, and he was wow. wonderful, and yeah. he knew it, and he went to Miami right after that and mm-hmm. actually had a great year coordinating that defense, and Jason Taylor was the defensive player of the year under Dom Capers. Right. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, just, I was – and the thing is, you say Ron Rivera, you say Dom Capers. That's the thing you think about is yeah. class, professional. Right. I mean, just – I mean, the number of people that spoke so highly of Ron Rivera is crazy. Uh, okay, this this is a big one. Baltimore Ravens are ten and two. They go to Buffalo. Okay, Buffalo's nine and three. There's a lot riding on this. And how about this on the road in Western New York? What's the weather report? Baltimore is a six point favorite, yeah. and Ooh. they apparently are expecting some sort of weather in this one precipitation in western new york mostly cloudy mm-hmm. with a high of 44 a low of 27 but they it does sound like there is going to be a little bit of weather maybe not like it was in baltimore last week yeah, that was where good. it was a monsoon but baltimore favored by 6 okay here's the deal vegas loves them some ravens baltimore was put up 20 points last week in a mm-hmm. win right mm-hmm. so i know there was weather involved and certainly it was a factor san francisco quote held the ravens to right. 20 20 is a big number in the nfl we always talk about that's kind of like the mendoza line up and down probably not a good comparison to mendoza because that's a different kind of deal it's it's but the understood. line that's yeah. the medium line right, right there so what i'm thinking here buffalo with all that defense and josh allen with that I can make a play wacky, productive, right. in an unpredictable way, running ability, because this has the highest rushing total of two quarterbacks meeting in an NFL game, I think, in history. Yep. I'm going Buffalo for the outright, Johnny. Wow. Outright in Western wow. New York. They stun the Ravens this week. Okay, so if that happens, let's mm. say that happens. Yeah. And Buffalo goes and beats New England. The other two games are a cakewalk for Buffalo. They Guess the who ends up being the number one seed in the AFC? Yeah. The AFC number oh, one seed oh, 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 would be minute. Buffalo. We got to worry about them now? Yeah. Because, like, I have my dream scenario here of meltdowns with the Patriots You're right. and the Ravens. But the, the meltdown Texas with the Patriots would include the Bills probably rising up. So we almost need the Ravens to win Could this. Could you imagine, thing. like, after all that, Houston has to go to no, Buffalo? No, 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 <laughs> done. Done. I think, uh, I think the Ravens will win, but that six is too uh, much. I think the Ravens will win, but the Bills will keep it close. So they'll get inside the number. You're calling the Ravens straight out. Uh, Bengals, Browns in Cleveland. Cleveland's favored by seven. Uh, 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 Bengals Just cover. to pick it. Bengals cover. Yeah, Bengals. Beng- I mean, Bengals will get inside the seven. Danny Dalton's back. He'll mm-hmm. do some good things. I think Cleveland wins but gets inside the seven. Redskins, Packers in Green Bay. Green Bay's favored by 12 and a half. Yeah, hey, next. Yikes. Next. Uh, okay. This one includes one of the teams vying for a wild card one week. I think it's one week, maybe two weeks before they play Green Bay. 
The Lions take on the Vikings in Minnesota. Minnesota's favored by 12 and a half. Minnesota. David, oh, 12 wow. 12 and a half. Yeah, that's Jeez. a rich number. That's too rich. Look, look, if I was one of those people, and I'm not, I don't do this, you know. Right. But I would say the the Lions are going to get closer than that. But the Vikings got to win this game. Yeah, the Vikings I mean, this, will win. This is it. The Vikings will win. I think that 12 and a half is too rich for me. I'd yeah. take the Vikings to win. The Lions get inside it. Okay, here you go. Noon game mm-hmm. in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Niners, mm-hmm. Saints. All right, Niners come across country two weeks in a row, but they practiced at that IMG Academy, right? Yeah, down in Orlando. They stayed there, so yep. so they're really not coming across again. They're used to the East Coast time zone and all of that. Saints. They're in New Orleans, craziness. Saints, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, I know. Because, so Vegas sees them as pretty much even. Well, I, of course, because the Niners are really good. They're coming off a loss, and they need it. they got to have this one. Yep. They gotta, Seattle's right there. they got to have this one. That's the problem. Uh, I'm going to go Niners win the game. They win. Outright. Yes, they win the game. Okay, Johnny. well, let me add another piece of little information here. Wait, what did I what did, what did I miss? Roheem Mostert, who is one of the star running backs for the 49ers, mm-hmm. has said it won't really be that loud in the Superdome because the 49ers fans are going to fill it up. Yikes. I mean, there will be some 49ers fans, but guess what? 40,000 Saints fans, and it's going to be more than <laughs> yeah, that, of course. still make more noise yes. than your average NFL crowd. You're going to bring okay? a few thousand 49ers fans in there. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's not like going to Dallas and bringing the Battle Red to Dallas. It's not like that. I think at home, I think the Saints want to make a statement. I think the Saints will win it, and they'll, they'll cover it two and a half. I mean, it's almost straight up. 49ers. It's almost a pick I'm sorry. Right, 49ers going against could have, have should have beat the Ravens last week, Johnny. Okay. 49ers. Uh, Let's go to this one because it's two teams. One we're, we've played twice. One we're about to play in a couple weeks. The Colts travel to Tampa Bay. Yeah. And this is how different this game is than maybe even five, six weeks ago. Tampa Bay at home is favored by three. Yeah, the Colts are all banged up. The Colts right? are banged up. Marlon Mack does appear he'll go back to the city in which he played his college ball. At That's good for them. That's good, but no Hilton, no Ebron. Ebron out for the year, so Ebron's done. Chester Rogers out for the year too, and Hilton doesn't look like he's going to play as. All right, so this so week. those are those are three top guys catching the football mm-hmm. for the Colts, and this is it for the Colts. They don't win this. Yeah, this is it's, last it's all left. over. It's all over for them. I still kind of like the Bucks in this one, and maybe my heart is picking, and my emotions and my desires. And see, that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see the Colts miserable. Thank you. So you're taking the Bucks to win? I'll take the Bucks. I'm with you. I'm gonna take the Bucks. I don't. Mm-hmm. I know I shouldn't. I know we both shouldn't. We should be pounding the Colts, the Colts, and then they lose. But I, I'm a little scared of the Buccaneers. I'll be honest with you, because of what they can do with a pass rush, and the way they can sling it around. Uh, they worry me. Yeah, and they I won was, a couple in a row now. And I, oh. I was hoping they'd be dead by this time of I was year. Thinking, I was hoping so. But this this ending swing of the Texans' schedule looks a whole lot harder on paper than it did a couple of months ago. This is supposed to be a break. Yeah, no, I guess, there's no, Well, there's will. never a break. We yeah, know that. Right. But it was looking like it was going to be more of one than it is. Denver is not, you know, fear-free of me, okay? Like, this team has a lot going for it that can give you a lot of problems on Sunday. But I know we're not talking about that right now. Go ahead. Okay, the 3 o'clock window. Yeah. AFC South, we just mentioned one. Obviously, mm-hmm. we'll play in the noon window. We are yeah. favored by nine, but I never pick that game because I'll never go against not, my heart and my head, all geez, that kind of stuff. Geez, I just I don't, don't do it. See, I don't even look at the line, honestly. Sometimes it's good. Uh Quickly, mm-hmm. do you give the Jags a shot against the Chargers in Duval County? Chargers favored by three. Oh, I, I t- 
totally give them a shot. The Chargers are a mess, and they yeah, find true. extraordinary ways to lose. And they've done it for years. Yeah. They have found ways to lose. I think the Jags are dumb, but there might be a Minshew dead cat bounce here late Man, in the maybe. season, and maybe they get it done against the Chargers. Wait, what's the uh, Vegas uh, sense on this one? Chargers three. Chargers oh, favored uh, by three Jags. in Duval County. Jags. Okay. How about this one? Yeah. Tennessee. Shoo. Flying across country. All right, this is a big one. To take on the Raiders. Oh, what is? What do the boys in the desert think of this one? What do you think? All right, I well, first of all, what look, would what te- would you do? Know these two teams in the way that things have gone lately. Think you got to think that Tennessee way. Tennessee by two. You're you're close. Tennessee by three. All Tennessee's right. See, favored I by do three. This. I could. You could. You know, I could still pick games after all these years. It's hard. To, I mean, it's, it's a lot easier team. to figure out the NFL spreads. I'm going to start a new show called Aces High with Mark <laughs> Vander. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> do it. Um, and the Mark Vandermeer dancers. Dee, 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 dee. It's, a lot, it's a lot more difficult to do the college spreads because those are all over the place. All over the place. The NFL sure. ones are usually, you know, 10 on down. But Tennessee by three. Titans, Raiders. You give the Raiders a shot to bounce back after scoring 12 I, points I, in two I games? I give them a big shot here, but I can't. Like, if I was actually doing this, like, you know, this is going to count I'm, right. and lives hang in the balance and I have to pick this one, I'm picking the Titans, right? Yeah. But I want the Raiders so yeah, badly. Please get it straightened out, Gruden. Come on, Derek. Play well. We need you to beat the Titans. Give us a solid. Do us a solid, Derek. Yes. Come on. And for that reason, I'm going to pick the Raiders in the upset. I'm going to pick Raiders. In an upset okay. over Tennessee at home. Okay. Hopefully that'll happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Big one, Sunday afternoon. We'll probably be up in our offices watching a little bit of this. Well, Red Zone will be watching Titans, Raiders, Char- Chargers, Jags, and then the Kansas City Chiefs at 8-4 and four go to New England at 10-2. and two. And how about this? What's the desert take on this one? New England's favored by three. That's it. Yeah. That's all. Uh, Two-game difference with these two teams and Vegas thinks these two teams are about even. I think that the Patriots have some problems. This just in. Yeah. And Brady, with you know, it, he's got the injury report um, tab of a toe. And what else? And is, an elbow. Yeah, the elbow we've known about. Yeah. The toe is new. That is new. And that happened on that long run. Toe, <laughs> my toe hurts. <laughs> it's the first he's run in a while. But toe is no joke. Johnny, I know. If it's a turf toe, mm-hmm. and we don't know if it is, right? But if it is, as you know, that's a bad injury. So that makes him even less mobile. Yeah, that's not good. Now the Chiefs don't appear to have the defense to really get the job but done. They're the getting way the better. Do. It's getting better. So it's looking a little bit better, but they certainly have the offense to do the job. And I think that they have an offense that it's not defense proof, but. They can move the football, and they will. And I think the Chiefs are going to win this game in Foxborough. And the Chiefs have won at Foxborough, which yeah. which is much different than other teams beating them on the road. Yep, the Chiefs have won in Foxborough. Uh, I'm going to go against you on this one because I do think the Patriots bounce back. Yeah, I, I'm not going to use the dead cat thing you said earlier, but I do think yeah. the Patriots will will rise up and mm-hmm. win these games at Gillette. They will be. I want to call them Fugazi, but I think that they're going to go. They're going to go in 13 and three into the playoffs. They'll be the number two seed in the AFC at thirteen and three, mm, and they'll, they'll get. I bounced. hope you're wrong. I, I hope, hope like, I'm wrong, but I think that's what's going to happen. Just lose out. But I don't. I think in the playoffs it, they they won't. I think ten and six sounds like a good record for the. Patriots. Oh, I would love ten and six Let's for that. that. Yeah. And then Sunday night, mm-hmm. last game, Sunday night, the Seahawks at ten and two, travel south to the Coliseum 
to take on the Rams at 7-5. and five. Vegas says the Rams are favored by one. You know, every week Seattle flirts with disaster. And, and you know, like last week they had that weird pick six off the deflection. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have a lot of strange things happening to yeah. them. But they pull out games. They're a winning team. They find ways to win. The Rams, I know they're coming off the win over Arizona, but it wasn't that convincing. i got to go Seahawks in L.A. That, I'm going to go with you on that one. I think Seahawks in L.A. It's a night game. And that LA. So you know, there's certain there's certain players on that Seahawks defense. They'll show up during a night game. <laughs> certain players, and they'll play very I well. Think, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And we know that that's no real home field advantage for no, the Rams. Not at all. There'll probably yeah. be more Seahawks fans than Rams fans. Mark, yeah. appreciate it. Thanks, Johnny. Up next, John Weeks sits down for deep slant interview of the week. Brought to you by Xfinity. Let's jump right back in with our deep slant interview of the week. Brought to you by Xfinity. It's DB Sidhu with John Weeks. Welcome in. It's been a while since we've chatted. It has been. I'm, I'm excited to be here right now. <laughs> I feel like you're making fun of me. Not at all. This every is... time I see you, you say, when are we going to do an interview? And you're I feel right. like you're mocking me because you actually don't really like to do Maybe interviews. a little bit. Maybe, Maybe just, just a little, little bit. bit. But I enjoy our time together, so I'm excited to be here. I am excited to have you here. You have snapped on every field goal attempt, extra point, and punt for Houston since signing as a free agent in 2010. I find that outstanding <laughs> and a little hard to believe. How about for yourself? How do you feel knowing that you've never missed a snap on any of those plays? Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an honor, really. Um, it, just, it just proves to me that, um, you know, I'm, I'm good at my craft, that my, my coaches and teammates trust me. Um, and the other thing, as a snapper, you always want to be durable and dependable. And, I, and I've been able to do that. And uh, when called upon, I've been able to go out there and, and perform at my best. So I'm um, just thankful. I was thankful for the opportunity continually. I'm still thankful for the opportunity to go out there and do it today. Um, and I love going out there with those guys and competing. I think that's why it was so surprising in week seven at Indianapolis when you got banged up a little bit early in the game mm-hmm. and you were limping badly, <laughs> but you stayed in the game. Like, walk me through that because was that probably the toughest thing that you've had to physically play through? Yeah, you know, that's just one of those situations where I've always told myself as long as I'm not going to hurt my team and I still feel I can go out there and perform my job to the best of my abilities and be there for my guys, that I'm going to do it. Um, it was a situation. I unfortunately rolled my ankle pretty bad. Um, you know, it hurt to put a little bit of weight on it, but I was still able to, after the guys, um, the training staff got me all taped up to go out there and do my job and, and be there for my guys when they needed me. So um, I've always told myself, again, if, if I can do that, that's what I was going to do. So there was never any uh, second thought about it. I mean, you're very, really tough. That's just a sign of Because <laughs> I was like, how are you going to run in coverage? Well, those guys are great. We have a fantastic <laughs> coverage unit and a good punter right now, and they didn't require me to do any type of running. So I really appreciate what those guys did for me. So You bring up a good point with special teams. I was looking up some stats. Second in the NFL in punt return average and kickoff return average. So allowing just 2.9 yards per return on punts and about 18.4 yards per kickoff return. What about these special teams under Seeley and Smith? I mean, they're like this dynamic duo of special teams out there. <laughs> How strong are you feeling about this? Yeah, this you know what? Game? We feel great in that room. You know, we know that um, I think going into any Sunday, you know, we match up well with teams that uh, we have an advantage with the guys that we have in our room, a bunch of guys that love to do what they to do, to play special teams, to do what they're asked to do, and a, and a bunch of guys that work hard at it. Um, you know, we know that we can provide a spark for our team when they need it. If we need a big play, we know Brian can put him inside the five. We know that uh, Kaimi can give us a good ball on kickoff, and our guys are going to go down there and make a tackle. So um, I think right now everything is going well in that room. We all understand that we can get better, and we're all working to get better every week. Um, and I think that's what's special about that room is we know we can get better, and that's what we're trying to do. I'm going to get to Brian Anger, the punter, in just a minute. But first, what about 
the identity of special teams. You've been here long enough to remember when special teams was just where rookies went to play, you know, before they could get on the field on offense or defense. And now it seems like the identity of special teams is very much its own. You've got guys that pride themselves on really contributing, that A.J. Moore, guys like Tywan Jones and Dylan Cole before he got hurt, that really they that's what they wanted to do. That's what they were out there to do. How do you feel about that, how much that has changed this aspect of it? Yeah, life? absolutely. I think that's something that, you know, since Coach O'Brien's been here, he's stressed. He, you know, he's talked about the importance of special teams and how guys' roles, you know, if they're not starters on offense and defense, that their roles are going to be on special teams. And we've got a great group of guys who have embraced that. Uh, you know, you mentioned a few, but you can go up and down our special teams units with the impact players that we have, guys that have embraced the role, understand why they're here, how they contribute, how they can contribute to this team and help this team win football games and ultimately get to the big game at the end. That's everybody's goal and that's what we're striving to do. All right, let's get to Brian Anger. He joined yeah. early on in the season. You spent some time with him in training camp right. and then obviously he became the punter early on. What was that transition like for you? Was it tough to sort of switch punters like that for you? What, what are some of the challenges as a long snapper to, to work on that that unit. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't think uh, I don't think for us because Brian was with us in training camp. I don't think it was as much of a transition as maybe some people think. You know, um, we, me and Brian work really well together. Uh, me, Brian, and Kaimi had plenty of reps during uh, training camp and during the preseason together. So um, it was just getting used to each other again, and that took maybe a week, maybe two weeks tops, if you want to be super picky about it. But um, you know, I feel like us three together, we're doing a good job. We enjoy each other, and. Um, we're having fun out there, and Brian's kicking the ball. He's doing a great job. Um, he's pinning those guys deep, and on our defense, it's hard to drive the length of the field. So, um, you know, we just – Brian keeps doing what he's doing. We're going to be in, in really good shape. He's second in the NFL on punting yards, and he had that 71-yarder a few weeks back. Let's, which is, let's not tell him Let's that. not tell yeah, him that. Uh, do you ever – I know we used to joke <laughs> about when Shane Leckler was here. You had an oh, over-under yeah. on – how many questions before we started asking Every you about time. Shane Leckler? Yep. So I have to ask you about Shane Leckler. Do you ever bring <laughs> him up to Brian Anger to the guys like, oh, well, when Shane was here, this is how he would do it? Uh, you know, everybody's different, you know, and Shane was a fantastic pro, and he, he taught me a lot of things and taught me a lot of things about punting. Um, but Brian's the same way. Brian's a great pro. Brian's been doing this for a long time. So there's That's nothing, true, he has. There's nothing that, you know, I can say to Brian that Brian doesn't already himself know. So I just kind of back off. Um, you know, if it involves maybe location of a snap or how I can help him, you know, with an angle of a directional kick or something like that, me and him are all about it. We talk in depth about it, try to figure out how to make the job as easy between the both of us. But when it comes to pure punting, I'm a long snapper, not a punter. I let the expert <laughs> do that, and I just watch. I didn't know if there was some advice being offered there. All right, you've done a lot of things, obviously, many times being here for so many years, but you got a first uh, recently with the win over the Patriots. First time to get to beat them. How special was that for you? Is that up there in one of your career highlights so far? And, and what was it like after the win for some of the veterans like yourself? Uh, you know what? It was it was a great win. It really was. And it, it was nice to kind of get that monkey off the back. I, I think I've played them eight or nine times since I've been a lot. here. And yes. unfortunately, you know, until recently we hadn't got one on them. So it was definitely nice to get that win. But at the end of the day, it was it was just that. It was another win that this team really prepared for hard, went out there, played as a team, and we were able to get a good win against a very good team. So um, that's kind of how I've approached it. That's kind of how I've looked at it. I think that's kind of how our guys have looked at it. We understand the challenge that we have this week against a really good Broncos team. So as much as we enjoyed that win, we have moved on, and we're on to Denver now, and we got to get ready for a good team coming in here. All right, Sunday the Denver Broncos come here. You get to see another old favorite Kareem Jackson yes. and you guys get to wear your cleats my cause my cleats which uh, yes. I wanted to ask you about your cause 
how you chose it and why it's so important to you. Yeah, so first it's going to be weird to see Kareem across the field. Yes. It really will be. You know, me and Kareem came in together. I have tremendous respect for him. He was uh, the longest tenured Texan, right? No, Before we came in together. You came in. Oh, yeah, yeah you both yeah, were in we both were in 2010. So now you were so. a sole possessor of I team. am I yes. am but um, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Kareem love him love his family so I'm um, glad that he's doing good things over there and wish him nothing but the best uh, but my cause my cleats a fantastic uh, opportunity for us to kind of spread awareness for our different organizations um, I've partnered with two this year um, and basically they kind of play off each other one me and my wife have been very involved with child advocates since we've got here um, we host an annual Christmas shopping spree with child advocates uh, every year for Christmas, Child Advocates um, helps kids manage the foster care system, um, you know, helps kids, gives the kids a voice, um, and they do that by assigning advocates to certain cases and that kind of stuff. Something we're passionate about, helping kids, getting them involved, and um, something we'll continually be passionate about uh, as long as we, you know, as long as we're here. So we're excited to partner with them again. And then the other, the other one, the other shoe that I'll have is for Kirsten's crew. Oh, so you got one for each yeah, cause. Yeah, I got, I, got, I got one for each cause. And my right shoe, I believe, is for Kirsten's crew. And I don't know if many people know the story behind Kirsten's crew. Um, Kirsten was actually one of the first, she attended one of the first shopping sprees that we ever had. I think she was maybe six when she came to our, I think, second one. And um, it was an event that her grandmother told us inspired her to basically want to do the same thing. Wow. So, she has, the past four or five years, created an amazing organization called Kirsten's Crew, where she does the same thing. She provides shopping sprees for a bunch of different foster kids in the Houston area. Um, they've done amazing things over the past four or five years. But uh, she's not very old right this now. This is she? a, I believe this young woman is a freshman in high school. That's amazing. She is an awesome, awesome young woman with a huge heart. Um, so we're, we're uh, happy and honored to have her. Uh, be a part of the co uh, cause for my cleats. That's such a so. great cause, and you're hosting another shopping spree again this year. What? We are. What's we are. Uh, we, you know? We love doing it. Yeah, it's, I was going to say this fun. is an annual thing yeah, for you, right? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. We um, we 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 partner with Target. Um, Target's been great with us since since we started doing it, and some of my teammates love to do it. They come every year. We'll get together with a bunch of bunch of kids that Child Advocates puts us in touch with and, and we just kind of let the kids go crazy and just have fun with them for about an hour. Um, let them go around and get what they need for Christmas and that kind of stuff. So something special that we really enjoy doing. Love seeing it too, especially this time of year. All right, John, we'll wish you best of luck for the rest of the year. And uh, that ankle, I am impressed because <laughs> you didn't miss, not only did you not miss a snap, you didn't miss a practice. You were back at practice uh, that was, week too. I was trying. I was All trying. All right, knock on wood. Best of luck for the rest Thank of the year, John. Thank you, DB. Appreciate you. That is by far one of my favorite guys in the locker room right there. John Weeks, long snapper extraordinaire. All right, coming up, it's our player segment. Lots to do. DeAndre Carter is going to come back in. Jake Martin, you're going to hear from him. And a little bit of B-Scar TV next. Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And I turn this segment over to our players. Now, we've had a lot of player involvement tonight. We heard from DeAndre Carter already, and you might hear from him again. We heard from John Weeks, but I reserve this segment to focus on our players, and we're going to start with player reporter, a.k.a. B-Scar TV, and it's brought to you by Arctic, the official coolers and tumblers of the Houston Texans. Visit RTICcoolers.com. Arctic coolers, overbuilt, not overpriced. Brennan, floor is yours. Usually, I, I open up with, like a, with a nickname, so I go Duke Johnson, a.k.a. Blank. I feel like, like what's, what's your nickname? 
Duke. <laughs> it's Duke. <laughs> when is it acceptable to put up holiday decorations? After Halloween, fair game. Put them up. Put them up whenever you want to. In years past, in, in my college house, we had Christmas trees up on November 1st, and we were decorating lights on the outside of our house November 1st. So you have your Christmas tree up before Thanksgiving? I don't have anything put up. Are you a holiday decorations guy? Oof. I'm the opposite. I'm literally the Grinch. So you, you're not a Christmas tree guy? No. Are you a gift giver? Yes. Are you a gift receiver? No. When you turn on the Jim Carrey Grinch for just about every minute up to the last 20 minutes, that's me on holidays. <laughs> Duke Johnson has a tattoo of the Grinch. He wasn't playing, y'all. He's really feeling the Grinch. What's, the, what's that say? It's not what's under the tree, but who is around it. Marianne. Wow. Hey, that's deep, dog. Which teammate probably puts up their decor early? I feel like Greg Mance really, really likes to, you know, stay in the, in the spirit for a while. He's a very jolly guy. I mean, this is the thing we all grew up loving, right? First day after Thanksgiving is when Christmas music will be blaring, okay? As far as decorations go, you know, we normally wait until about two, three weeks before because we get Grandma to send us up a little three-foot live tree every year. It's a must. Live trees are the thing. I unpack it, you know, dress it up, get the little skirt on there. I've always had three, I've always had three stockings, one for me, one for my mom, because she always comes down around Christmas, and one for my boy Kendall Lamb. Well, this year I'll probably have to get one for Titus and Max, because you know they're rookies, they aren't gonna know any better. You know, they sort of live in the building, so maybe I'll have four stockings this year. You never know. Wow, that was just that was just wonderful. Thank you for, for sharing that. For everybody out there, if you see Duke Johnson during this holiday season, keep your distance or maybe go up and give him a hug man let's let's get that heart a little bigger and you know love on him a little bit duke johnson hey thank you brother for coming on the show man it's been an absolute pleasure duke johnson aka duke aka grinch we're moving on i absolutely love b scar tv and the things you find out about aka the grinch duke johnson well that was fun stuff all right we had deandre carter on earlier Talked about his cause for my cause, my cleats. Now it's time to get to know DeAndre a little bit better with the Dirty Dozen with Drew Doherty. Time now for a Drew's Dozen, and we've got wide receiver, return man, DeAndre Carter. So DeAndre, what's it like being in the receiver's room, and there's another DeAndre in the receiver's room with you? When I first came, I thought it was going to be like, oh, i got to kind of find a nickname. But we call uh, DeAndre Hop. We call him Hop. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's He's hop. I'm D D D C Dre, so it's not too hard, but it's fun though. D C Dre. What was the other one? D D. Okay, yeah. so you got three nicknames. It's yeah. What are your other nicknames? Other nicknames. My mom used to call me Bubata. Bubata. Where's that come yeah, from? I I think it was just something she threw out there. Okay. Uh, D D Ma'am is something my my aunt used to call me. D D Man from the Fifth Flow. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Brother Man from the Fifth Flow from. TV show, but uh, those probably two. Those yeah. are two. Okay, so you got five nicknames. It's solid. It's solid. Yeah, you know, some people only have one. Some people don't even have. Some any. people don't have none. And you got to wonder about those people. Yeah, like how do you don't have a nickname? If you don't have a nickname. There's something it's going. Kind of sketchy there. I agree. <laughs> all right, we're on the same accord. Favorite football movie or TV show of all time? My favorite football movie is Friday Night Lights. Okay, it's my favorite football movie. Remember the Titans is a close second. Mm-hmm. Uh, TV show. I'm the the TV show version of Friday Night Lights is a real good show. All right. Real Really good show. Have you done the triumvirate? Have you read the book as well? I have not read the book. 
I know you a little bit, mm-hmm. and you used to substitute teach. Yes, sir. You're a sharp guy. I am betting that you would love the book the most. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to check it out. You should check it out. You should definitely check it out. Okay, what's a typical breakfast for you? Typical breakfast, I'm a heavy fruit guy, so Mm -hmm. like a big cup of fruit, strawberries, mangoes, and then like bacon, eggs, kind of typical. Good stuff. Favorite TV show as a kid? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Favorite TV show as an adult? Ah, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air still. Really? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Do you ever do that Carlton dance? I have not, but I have a cousin that does it very, very well. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, adult TV, uh, Game of Thrones. I'm a heavy Game of Thrones guy. What did you think about the ending? Very disappointed. Okay. I, I was see, disappointed. I've not seen it. It's on the to-do list. Yeah. I, I, enough people I know love it. I just haven't had a chance to see it. Great but. show. Yeah. Probably, I would say one of the top three shows of all time. Right. Could have been a better ending. I hear you. Okay. What's the last thing that you cooked? Last thing that I cooked? Seafood pasta? Okay, how long yeah, ago was that? Last week. Last week, you're doing well, because yeah. I had Taiwan Jones in here last week, mm-hmm. and he said he hadn't cooked anything in three years, and it was on Mother's Day three, three years ago. Three years. Yeah. So you're doing much better <laughs> than he is. Yeah. Do you have a go-to karaoke song? Go-to karaoke song. I'm a Boss by Meek Mill. Oh, that's strong yeah. right there. That's, <laughs> that's my song. Wow. Is there an animal that scares you when you're near it? Snakes, I would say. I mean, I'm not around snakes a lot, but... That's a natural. I'd probably go the opposite direction. Okay, there's five Carters. I need you to rank them. Okay. DeAndre Carter, President Jimmy Carter, Vince Carter, the NBA legend, Carter's Baby Clothing, Okay. and Chris Carter. I can repeat them if you need them. but I'm going to go DeAndre Carter first. Okay, good. Confidence. Second, I'm going to go Chris Carter, okay. receiver for the Vikings, right. Hall of Famer, great guy. Let me go President Jimmy Carter. Okay. Third. There we go. Vince Carter. Fourth. Fourth. Fifth. Last one was Carter's, Carter's baby's clothing. Baby You've clothing. seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it. I like I used to tell people like that's my my family's company, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best Christmas gift you ever got? When so when the PlayStation two first came out, oh, yeah, yeah. I was like I was a kid and I really, really wanted one. I didn't think I was going to get one, but yeah. my mom surprised me, so I was pretty excited. There you it. go. What was a game that you you always played on it? NBA Street. Oh, okay. Yes, okay. NBA Street. Who is the first person that's not a teammate, not a coach, that you talk with after an NFL game? Not a teammate. I got a mentor, older brother, Eddie Smith. Okay. Talk to him every day after the game. He'll You know, he watches it. He'll give me his critiques and everything. Uh, so, Eddie. That's cool. You know, when we had Taiwan in here, he said his younger brother, because he's one of, I think, seven or eight, but his next youngest brother, the one that's next to him, he said he sends him, the brother sends Taiwan a video message before each game of like this. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and they go back. So it's cool that, you know, you guys have both chosen brothers. What would your career be if you weren't a football player? I wasn't a football player, so I went to college to be a sports anchor broadcaster. So okay. I can take some tips from you. Oh no, uh, give uh, me tips. <laughs> but uh, that probably that'd be that, either that or coaching. Okay, yeah. all right, okay. What's the first job you ever had? The first job outside of sports that I ever had was substitute teaching. What was what was that like? Uh, we've read the I read the story. It's yeah. a great story about it. But uh, what was in a nutshell, the Reader's Digest version? What was that like? It was fun. It was an incredible experience. I wouldn't give it back for the world. At the time of my life, it was something that I could do that allowed me to keep training and stuff for to for workouts for the NFL. Gave me the flexibility in my schedule to be able to still do that. But the the lessons the 
kids that I got to meet, kids yeah. that I got to touch and impact was it was incredibly dope. And you can tell, like reading those stories, those kids got a lot from you. I mean, you know, I can't name a single substitute teacher ever, but right. I guarantee you, those kids are always going to know about and remember you. Yeah, and it was I, I was in a situation where I was able to be at the same school the entire time, so I got to interact with the same kids you know, on cool, a daily yeah. basis and they knew I played football and everything and with one of the probably my favorite thing about our job is the platform that we have to be able to reach kids and you know you go up show, tell kids you're a national football league player they're gonna listen to what you gotta say yeah taking that time to instill some knowledge in them is something that I feel like we all should take advantage of awesome who's your favorite retired NFL player Deion Sanders yeah he's he's so many Current guys choose him. Yeah. Why so, did? Why do you? Why? How come for you? For me, I'm a. He's my favorite player of all time. Jerry Rice is a close second, but I picked Dion because I'm a more of a quiet, humble, relaxed guy, and he was out there, flashy in your face, and I, I just love that about him. The opposite of me, probably. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> and you're kind of from the Northern California area, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm so from California. That's why Jerry. Rice, I was a Niner fan. Yes, yeah, so you're a Niner fan. And he was. Rice. He was probably before you because he was '94 with yeah, the Niners. Yeah. Yeah. But his Still, legacy, yeah. Got there, won the Super Bowl, and did his thing. He was, And that's probably the best year he ever had. Yeah, and I would of, agree. Out of many I would in the agree. NFL. How much trash do you actually talk on the field? Because you just said you're a quiet guy. I'm a quiet guy. Yeah. I don't talk a whole bunch of trash. I mean, if there's a guy, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to back down from right. from talking. But uh, if there's a guy that want to get chippy, I'll, I'll indulge in it. Okay. Yeah. What's your best football trait? Speed and quickness. Okay. I would say. Yeah. Pizzas or hamburgers? <sighs> Hamburgers. What's on the perfect hamburger? Bacon. Got to have bacon. Okay. Fried onion rings, barbecue sauce, cheese. Nice. What type of cheese? American. All right. DeAndre Carter, it's been a pleasure talking with you. This has been Drew's Dozen. We can't wait to talk with you again, man. Appreciate you, Drew. Thanks for having me. I like his burger. I like it. I like it a lot. Now, we always end our Friday show with the final word with Drew Doherty. And this week, it's Jake Martin who might be my player to watch an extra points tomorrow night, but here's Drew with Jake. Thanks so much, fellas. We've got outside linebacker Jacob Martin, also known as Jake Martin, and he has had a pretty nice week, but now it's on to Denver. Let's talk about first, from when you got here week one to now, how much growth have you seen from yourself and how much growth have you seen from this defense as a whole? I would say uh, there's been a lot of growth going on between myself and self, so like a lot of self-growth, and then obviously – the growth between me and my teammates, you know, and uh, us as a team growing as, as, as one, growing from a group mm-hmm. to growing into a team, you know, in, uh, in that aspect of the game. But I would say my personal growth after being traded down here to Houston, you know, was kind of a little disorienting, you know, trying to figure everything out and um, get settled and try to learn as much as I possibly could the day that I got here, you know, having a notebook and asking questions and asking for the playbook as soon as I got here and trying to learn and familiarize myself with not only the Texans' terminology, you know, but how they see things and how they do things and trying to get a feel for everyone in the building. I'm a big believer in trying to bring everyone in this organization, so everyone from the janitor to the chef to assistant coaches to the training staff to whatever, you know, try to learn them as a person and how they operate and how they do things, you know, just to try to help make their their days a little bit easier. So it's been great so far, you know. I've obviously grown and I'm a lot more comfortable you know, in the building and working with my teammates, you know, and understanding the system and how we do things and how we operate things and just the, the day-to-day schedule and it makes things a lot easier to play football. Yeah. You know, not everyone shares that same philosophy that you just mentioned that you have, mm. but it seems like this locker room 
would be pretty conducive to that. And it seems like you know, a lot of your teammates were pretty helpful. So a lot of these coaches were very helpful as far as bringing you up to speed in that regard, right? Is that is that an accurate thing, would you say? Yeah, I would say. I would say so. This is a great locker room, you yeah. know, just just like the one I, I, just, I left in Seattle. You know, it was a lot of great guys, a lot of great older guys. There's tons of vets in there, tons of experienced guys that played a lot of football. Even with the coaching staff, there's tons of experience on this coach staff, you know, with uh, Romeo Cornell and Pags, you know, so – there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of coaching experiences on my side of the football, and guys to learn from, like Whitney Merciless, you know, and JJ Watt, and Mike Adams. Even he plays safety, Mike Adams. You know, guys that have been around and seen a lot of football, trying to figure out how they do things. You know, just observing. What's it like? You just brought up Cornell and Pags, and Pags is Pagano, John mm-hmm. Pagano, one of the, the linebackers coaches. What's it like seeing them operate, seeing them coach, seeing them teach? It's different. You know, I, I grew up watching coach Cornell when he was the head coach in Kansas City at the time I lived in Denver so you know Kansas City Denver twice a year right growing up watching him and his defenses play you know obviously he was the assistant coach um, for the Patriots as well you know so watching those teams play football and obviously coach coach Pagano and his his stint with San Diego so just a lot a lot of great football minds you know a lot of guys that have been around great talent hall of fame caliber type dude they understand what it takes as a player you know to get yourself to that level and get yourself prepared you know and it just it just helps with with the terminology because they've seen so much they've done so much so they can they can talk the same language and pick up on what you're trying to say to them and help teach you the new language you know what I mean so which I think is I think that's that's the biggest thing when you're coming into anything new in terms of like athletics is making sure that your language is the same because if my terminology is different than their terminology then I can never we would never be on the same page you know what I mean I may see something I come come to the sideline and describe it to them, like, hey, this and that and the third. But if they don't know what the heck I'm talking about, like, in terms of terminology, then they can't help me. I think that's, that was the biggest challenge, you know, is making sure my terminology, my text and talk was at the right place. You just brought up something very interesting, and you've got a, a very unique backstory. You spent part of your youth here in Houston, in the Houston area, mm-hmm. and then you mentioned the Denver connection. So what's it going to be like when you play the Broncos? It'll be exciting. Like, for me, growing up, I never really had a favorite football team. Okay. You know what I mean? So I I just I was a fan of players, you know. I followed players. Who were your favorites, <sighs> dude? For a while, I thought I was gonna play safety, man. So <laughs> Brian Dawkins, it's a good one. Sean Taylor, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis. And as I as I started getting older, you know, I was like, oh, Jake, you're probably gonna be a linebacker. <laughs> Maybe. But you were always thinking defensively, even even at a younger age, huh? No, that's surprisingly I, my dream from birth. Until like I realized that this dream is no longer going to happen. It was like I wanted to be number thirty nine and play running back at the University of Texas. Well, uh, I don't mean to. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to puff anything up here, but you're on a team and with a franchise that I don't know that dreams are dead. I mean, we just right, saw the trick right. play last week. True. J.J. Watt has caught three touchdown passes in his stint here, so I wouldn't rule anything out. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. But if you want to lobby your coaches for something, you know, go go right ahead. But you like the University of Texas. You you thought about playing running back. Let's let's kind of focus on the game at hand. Mm-hmm. This Denver offense, they've got some some skill out on the edges, and they've got a rookie quarterback. What do you see from Drew Locke when you watch him on? tape, which is a little bit of a limited library of tape, mm-hmm. if you will. Well, I got, I got a chance to play Drew uh, earlier this year in the preseason when I was up in Seattle, so I, I think I think the kid is very athletic quarterback. I think he's a lot more more about mobile than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. You know, he throws the ball pretty well. You know, he's a talented guy. Some some young some young weapons at his disposal with uh, Philip Lindsay and Sutton, so I'm excited, just excited to, to have the opportunity to play. As long as we play our brand of football, do 
as the game plan says and stick to our plan, you know, whatever that may be, and, and learn and make adjustments throughout the game. I think it should be a good game for the defense. Last thing, how much fun was it sacking Tom Brady? Oh, off the bucket list. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> last thing, this is truly the last thing. I know I said the last thing last time, but this is the last thing. Have you always come to games uh, wearing cowboy hats, wearing Western wear? Is that is that something that's new this year, or is it something that's been going on? Well, I'm back in Texas, baby, so like I had I had to bring it back out. Western wear. There you go. <laughs> it's kind of nice because we haven't seen that since guys like Antonio Smith used to play defensive end here. Mm-hmm. Danielle Manning used to be a really good safety. Yeah, he, They used to wear the, the Western wear as well. Well, we're happy you're here, man. It's good talking with you as always. Best of luck against the Broncos. Best of luck the rest of the way in 2019 and beyond. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Well, that was Hack of a Player's segment right there. Appreciate everybody being a part of the show this evening. DP Sidhu, John Weeks, Drew Doherty, DeAndre Carter, twice. Jacob Martin, B-Scar, Brandon Scarlett, all of you guys for listening. Oh, and I can't forget my boss, Mark Vandermeer, who did a great job picking games. We will see you on Sunday. Have a great weekend, everybody. And as always, go Texans.